Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Klaviyo is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak is like, we're not just about making more revenue, that's great, but what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers, and the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you gotta get on Klaviyo. Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I. IYO.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Wavebreak Podcast. If you're growing or building a direct consumer, digitally native, e-commerce brand, whatever you want to call it, this is the podcast for you. This is the podcast where we go behind the scenes of some of the fastest growing brands in the industry, how they're growing. We reverse engineer it. We get specific. We get tactical. We get strategic all across the board. And then you can do the same. And if you're new here, my name's Dylan Kelly. I'm the guy behind the podcast, the guy behind the mic. And I'm really excited for today's episode. But before we get into that, a little background on me. My name is Dylan. Like I said, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Wavebreak. We are a boutique agency specializing exclusively in email and SMS marketing for direct consumer brands. So Black Friday is less than 100 days away. Time is ticking. And without a great email strategy, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. If you don't want to leave money on the table, come hire me and my team. We'll help you maximize email revenue all Q4 long. You can learn more at wavebreak.com. Co. That's wavebreak.co. You can schedule a call with me and my team at wavebreak.co slash call, and we will take care of you and help you have the best Q4 ever. Now, today's episode, I'm really excited for. Today on the show, I am joined by Mackenzie Bauer, co-founder and CMO of Thread Wallets. So what's unique about Thread Wallets is, well, first of all, I'm a customer. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing. They're bootstrap. They're amazing. Great team, great culture. And that's really what I wanted to focus on in this episode because you get to a certain point in your business where it's very important to do less as an executor and instead build great teams. But the problem is if you build a great team, you don't set them the frame, the expectation, the meeting cadence, all these tactical things, and you don't consciously build a culture, well, 
you end up building, I mean, you could end up building a factory, something that people don't like. You could end up being frustrated with your team because they're not doing what you said and all of this stuff. And a lot of those things can be traced back to you as the business owner and the frame that you sell on the game. So set the frame, win the game, own the frame, win the game. So what are the frames and how do we set it? That's what we dive in today on the podcast. Like if you're starting to build a team and you want to really build a culture, this is going to be a very actionable episode for you on how to actually build a culture, what your meeting structure should look like. And then along the way, we also talk about the thread wallet story. Uh, we talk about how to take a vacation without the world ending. But most importantly, the main thing we talk about is building a great culture that you and your team love and how to build a business that's not just like something that you dread and show up and your team dreads and shows up and it's like work and it's a job. But how do you build a business that's integrated into your life and how do you live a life? Because we get so caught up as entrepreneurs and you know, I will relax when. How do we bake into our lifestyle a business where we can you know, really flow with our energy? Like when we have the energy to create, we create. And then when it's time to recharge, we recharge. And how do we slow down without everything falling apart? That's what we talk about today. Listen, if you're getting ready for Q4, this is a must-listen episode on really how to get you and your team on the same page. So without further ado, Mackenzie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Dylan. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm su- I'm super excited to talk more today. Um, obviously, I'm a huge huge fan and customer of Thread Wallet, so love what you're doing. For the people who don't know Thread Wallet, what is it? I think the name says a lot, but um, it's a really cool I and mean, it's a really cool company. So, how how do you describe Thread Wallets to people? Yes, um, very simply put, we are slim wallets with style. So we focus on functionality and fashion. We try to combine the two. And it's great too. Like mine is like super slim, put all my cards in it, and then I put my keys on it. I actually didn't find out about it on Facebook or or any marketing channel. I was getting a burrito, which if you're an avid listener of the podcast or it's someone on my team listening to this, they know I eat burritos all the time. So it could be any day of the week. But <laughs> I was getting a I was getting a burrito with a friend of mine and he whips this wallet out and his keys are attached to it. And I was like, what is that? And he's like oh, this is a Thread Wallet. I was like, Thread Wallet? And I looked it up and I ordered one that day and never looked back. Like, it's it's the go-to. Like, I love a slim wallet and I've always been chasing, like, the slimmest of the slim wallets. And then yours, like, look really cool too. So it's like the best of both worlds. There's leather baked in. I mean, there's a bunch of different ones. They don't have to have the key ring on it. I have one that doesn't and one that does. No, they're freaking awesome. If you like minimalist wallets, go check them out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... Uh, speaking of thread wallets, I mean, what's, what's, what's the story? How did you, how did you get into this business? Yeah. Um, great question. So my husband and I, um, founded this company together back in 2015, just about six months after we gotten married. So the backstory goes a little bit farther than that. It was 2014 and we had just started dating and my then boyfriend Colby He had lost his wallet a little bit previous to this. And when he lost his wallet, he had been body surfing in the ocean and his wallet fell out of his his swim trunk. So he lost his wallet, realized he'd lost it, went on to Google to search for a new wallet. And all he could see was just like a sea of big, chunky bifolds and just boring grandpa wallets, like George Costanza type wallets, if you've watched. Seinfeld before and he was like that's not me like I carry around my ID my student ID and my credit card like I don't need anything else so he actually just went and grabbed a rubber band and threw that around his cards and called it good 
So back to kind of 2014, beginning of 2014, he was in a class and the class was all about how to fund a Kickstarter campaign and to do it within 24 hours, like get a Kickstarter campaign up and running. So he was spending a lot of time on the platform and he noticed that minimalist wallets did super well. Like there were quite a few companies or product um, products on Kickstarter that had gained tons of traction and raised maybe over like $300,000, $400,000 just on these minimalist wallets. But just kind of like the big bifolds that he'd seen previously, these wallets also lacked style. They were just black elastic, brown leather, like super boring. And my husband loves skateboarding and loves to be outside and wakeboarding and is just a super active person. So he's always really admired lifestyle brands and looked up to companies like Stamp Socks, Neff Headwear, School Candy Headphones. And so he really admired these companies who'd taken a really boring product and brought character and fashion and expression to the product. So he's like, I wonder if there's room for us to do this with, with wallets. So right around that same time, beginning of 2014, again, we had started dating and he found out that I had a sewing machine. So we sewed the first prototypes together in my childhood bedroom, added the key ring, and then him and some buddies for the class project that was about getting that Kickstarter up and running. They put together a really, really kind of crappy, silly Kickstarter campaign that raised to just over $8,000. But it was enough to get us the printer and the materials to continue with this wallet idea. And so they did that in 2014. And then just after six months of meeting each other, my husband and I um, got married and we moved out to Hawaii for my husband to finish school out there at a small private university on the North shore of Oahu. So he was out there. And when we went out, we were like, let's take just like a thousand units of product, which is actually seems like a lot that we like took that risk of a thousand units, but we took a thousand of these elastic wallets out to BYU Hawaii with us, um, the university that we were he was attending and he played soccer out there. We went through the semester and kind of didn't forget about him, but we didn't make it a priority until we were getting ready to leave and move off the island. And we were like, we've got to get rid of these wallets. Like they're just sitting here and I don't want to take them back to Utah. So we started attending these farmers markets and the things flew off the shelf. Like everyone was just obsessed with them. They were we were selling them right around Christmas time and everybody loved the idea of giving them as gifts for Christmas and taking them home to their siblings. So within those few weeks of doing these farmer's markets, Colby and I received a ton of validation for the idea and we were like, oh, this could be really cool. So I remember like sitting in our apartment over at BYU Hawaii just being like, okay, if we could sell like 10 wallets a day, we could make enough money for us to live off like comfortably just the two of us like 50,000 60,000 a year so we're like let's just like let's maybe do this and at the same time my husband was pursuing professional soccer and had some offers on the table and then also was um set up to take over his dad's financial firm so we were like what do we do like do we pursue this idea that has some traction but like could we make a living off of it like what are we going to do once we have kids but we were young and really naive so we told ourselves we do um do six months worth of like lots of hard work just doing all that we could to push this little idea that we had 
And we put together another Kickstarter campaign, launched a website. And within those first six months, we've done over, you know, $50,000, $60,000 in sales. And that was what we'd wanted to do per year. So we were like, oh, like, this could be a viable idea. So we kept pursuing it. We put, we, you know, stopped pursuing any other option as a career, dived full time into this little wallet business. And we closed off our first year at around 140,000. So it was really validating because it was just the two of us. And we like doubled, tripled what we thought we could, you know, make to survive. So anyway, that's like, I mean, that's kind of a long version of it, but that's how we got the idea and how the company started. No, that's awesome. It's so great to hear the story. And I love how it's like, okay, we got a few options and it's like, you know, from like traditional perspective, like people would say like, well, the wallet idea, obviously you don't go with that. <laughs> you go yeah, with the, totally. uh, you go with the pro soccer or you go with the, um, <laughs> you go with the financial firm. Um, oh, and that's yeah. awesome. Well, and, well, yeah. And my, my dad and my husband's dad are both financial planners. And so they both come with that kind of a, a plus B equals C mentality. And what was funny is that um, my husband's dad was all for it. He was like, why don't you try it? Like, go for it. Like, you know, take it as a learning experience and see what happens. And my dad, we, after we moved back from Hawaii and we were trying to find a place, we hadn't started making any money yet with Thread. So we lived with my parents just down this hall from their bedroom. We were sleeping in my childhood bedroom and my dad every day would walk past us as we were like sewing wallets and, you know, taking pictures for Instagram and um, pressing and cutting and doing all the stuff. And he was so doubtful. Like my dad was just like, what are you guys doing? Like just kind of what you said, like very traditional, very much like this is not going to work. Like, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but we loved the idea of being able to do something together and build something that we were passionate about that could be a great outlet for us to be creative and do the things that we love together. Like I mentioned, my husband loves skateboarding. We love traveling. We love being out on the lake. So we wanted to create our own lifestyle. So it was, it, it was a blessing that we chose that route because it's been, been the right one. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, today, like the business is at, I mean, you're over 20 people now, right? Yeah. Yep. We've got over 20 employees and we're continuing to grow. It's awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's one thing like, I mean, both, neither of you had a background in retail or anything like that, right? No, no, we hadn't. I mean, my husband has been an entrepreneur his whole life in college. He developed an app and high school, he started a little clothing company that obviously didn't get huge, but he sold it in like local skate shops in Arizona. So he'd had like a little bit more experience than I did. I graduated with a degree in conflict resolution. So I was like not planning on running my own business at all. And so, yeah, just it's crazy how life turns out. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, that's, that's one thing I think is really cool about the company you built, uh, just like on the outside looking in is like, you have a really strong team and like a really cool culture. Like one thing I know <laughs> we talk about a lot is like the mini ramp in your office, which I think is so cool. Like, how, I think, I mean, cause so often and like, I, I, we actually have a podcast coming out on this in a, in a week or two, 
But like, I think the best brands are like brands run by people who like the brand is almost like a reflection of them. It's just like them being authentic. And it's just like, cause then mm-hmm. everything just flows. Like it's so easy. Like you don't have to b- pretend to be someone you're not. You don't have to like, it's just like, cause it's so much work. Like so often it's like we put a face on, right? And we're like, you know, it's like, okay, who am I with these people? Or who am I with these people? And, and instead of like, just like being yourself. And I think that's what's so cool about Thread is it's like, it's 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 a reflection of you guys. And I think the culture that you're building is like that. Like what are some ways that you do that? Like, how do you, how do you pull that off? That's a really, really good question. There are a few things and I don't know if this is the right, these are the right answers for everybody, but first off, we feel we're very religious and we believe that God has directed us in so many directions. And a big part of that is the people that he's placed in our company. Like we have lucked out with every person on our team. We just, have the best team. And so it's really easy to have a good culture when you have a really great team. So I'll say that that's kind of, we got really lucky there. But there's a few things that we do to create a culture of friendship and creativity and openness. And I think that these are really important for everyone to do if you can. Um, We decided early on that we would hire um, really young people, which I think is kind of counterintuitive, um, if, that, if that's the right word. Like, I think that a lot of people assume that it would be best to hire people who are more mature, who have more experience, um, who know the industry. But we were young when we started. We had no idea what we were doing. And along the way, we've met a lot of other people very similar to us, very young, very, very talented, but very inexperienced. And we have found a lot of value in finding people who are hungry, who are driven, who are passionate and who are creative. And then we invest in them because those are the people you want on your team. Like you could have someone with 10, 15 years of experience, but if they aren't a good culture fit and they don't jive with you as a friend and they're not, their personality is toxic or they don't get the culture or the brand you want to build, then that doesn't make sense to me why you would hire someone like that. So we have really strived to hire people who are just young and hungry and passionate. I, I think of that quote um, by Steve Jobs that says, stay hungry, stay foolish. And I feel like most of our team is like the definition of that. So that's one thing we've done. Again, I don't know if I'd recommend that for every, every company, but it's been really beneficial for us. We're all kind of in the same place in our lives. We hang out frequently outside of the office, do barbecues together. Like we're just really good friends. The second thing that we do is we do a company-wide book club. So we read like between four to six books a year. We have different people in the team contribute ideas to what books they want to read. But ultimately we read books that we feel like will prompt really good discussions amongst our team. And one of the books that we've read that has been kind of our guiding light, I guess you could say, is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. He's the founder of Pixar. And yes, the, I just read that this summer, actually. It is such a good book. And so we read that as a team last year. And this was like kind of when we were bridging that gap between like 10 to 15 employees. And this was last summer and we read it together as a team. And we all got together afterwards and talked about the highlights of that book. And pretty much what everyone said is that what really touched them or moved them in that book is the creative atmosphere that Pixar has set up, 
but that creative atmosphere is driven by candor and a real sense of openness and honesty and communication and allowing people to be their true selves in the office and their true selves outside of the office. We just try to celebrate everybody's differences and everybody's unique opinions or thoughts or ideas. So we've tried to provide an um, opportunity where there's just the, the ability for everyone to talk together and talk openly and share their ideas. So that's been really, really helpful. And we owe a lot of that to Ed Catmull. He doesn't even know who we are, but it, that book has been really great for us. And we continue to have that um, book club. We read a lot of books together. And that, like I said, just opens up the conversation for a lot of good topics about community and marketing and unified goals, et cetera. So that's been really great. Um, the third thing that we do at our office, I would say that's really important is we do a monthly art day with our company, with all our employees. So that has ranged from designing their own wallet to tie-dye. This last art day, we went up and painted boxes because an organization in here in Utah was building the world's largest cardboard box fort. And so we just try to do things that take us outside of the office or gets us in a different frame of mind of creating and we sit down and we do it together. We order lunch and we just hang out together as a team to create something other than just like being in front of our computers all day. So that's been really helpful to build friendships, to get to know each other, um, to create something outside of that's not necessarily business focused. Um, and then the, the last thing that I want to point out is we really, really strive to provide opportunities for our team to do the things that they love and be active participants in their families and their communities. And um, we do this by buying our, our employees ski passes each winter, or we have, like you mentioned, the skate ramp in the back. We have just we try to do a lot of different things that incentivize our team to get outside and to I guess you could say like don't put work in front of all these other things that are super super important to you because we have I have anxiety and I struggle with OCD and being really controlling and then my husband's family um he comes from a line of addicts and so there's a lot of mental illness in his family and we've just really tried to recognize the importance of allowing people the time and the space to do the things that they love and to let that in, inspire their work and then vice versa. Yeah, I think that last point you touched on is huge because I think so often, especially like the entrepreneurs who like listen to this podcast, it's like everyone's very, it's like all or nothing and like everybody's so extreme and it's like grind, 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 grind. And it's like, I'll grind until, I don't know, X, Y, Z point. But it's like, that point never comes. Like, you've been telling yourself that for years. So I like how yeah. you, you bake it into the model. Like, I think it's super fun, too. Like, the, I mean, the creation day that you guys do. I think that's great. It kind of reminds you, like, being in school and you'd have, like, like uh, like grade school grown up. It's like you have, like, yeah. a, a party yeah, or something or, like, set. crafts or something. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh, cool. Like, I can't wait till later because we're doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, and then it transitions over time to, like, oh, man, it's X, Y, Z day. I got X, Y, Z meeting. It's like adulting. It's like <laughs> you uh, you want to go totally. back. 
like how do you structure the business to make yourself because i know like so many entrepreneurs are like no like i can't get take time off because like or no like i can't go sneak or snowboarding i think it's different if you live in like utah or colorado like all my friends who like live outside denver or in utah yeah. it's like they're always like, it's like what'd you do it's like oh i took friday off i went I, you know i went snowboarding all weekend maybe it's just something something in the air up there but um like <laughs> for you like what do you do to ensure like you take time off or like to to calm like like anxiety for entrepreneurs is super common too like are there any kind of checks and balances you put in place or like how do you allow yourself to take a step back because like i know we know once we get that step back we come back feeling so refreshed um like what are what yeah. are some ways that you set yourself up to do that yeah i think that's a really important question and i think that every entrepreneur should ask themselves what they're doing to come back rejuvenated and refreshed because the day-to-day can get mundane sometimes and there's a lot of stresses and things that come with running your own business but I I I don't know I I remember I'm just gonna share a little story with you when our first daughter was born we had her about two and a half years into our marriage and we were having a dinner with some friends who are also entrepreneurs and they had two kids at this point and so we were like what would your advice be like tell us what you guys would t- you know what you think we should be doing right now is we're bringing a new baby into this world and then also we're still running our business and they said if you guys can't take time to enjoy your life and this special time with your newborn then why are you an entrepreneur like this is why you're an entrepreneur and it's because you want to enjoy the moment and that really stood out to me tied to our business 24 7 and we can't let go and we can't get out of the office and we're thinking about it and talking about it nonstop, then we aren't, we don't have the freedom that we desired when we first started. And I get that there are going to be times where you grind harder than others. There's going to be times where the balance is a little off, but I just think it's so important to keep yourself in check to say, you know, try to do something for yourself every day, try to do something nice for someone else every day. I think that in the end, that makes you a better entrepreneur because then you don't end up resenting your work. And if you can take the time to spend, you know, with family or go out to lunch with a friend or exercise or skate or whatever it is, it sends a message to your team or anyone in your life that the people in your life should still matter. And there's something bigger and more important than making money at the end of the day. And that's I think what's important to us is that it's really awesome to be making money it's cool to be making wallets but we what we love the most is building something with people that we love and the opportunity to create and dream and set goals and reach those goals and if you're not taking the time to prioritize yourself then you're going to lose yourself along the journey yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I heard a story recently from another entrepreneur. It's like entrepreneurship and like taking care of yourself and like taking time off and like slowing down is like being in a car. Like it's like you're 20 minutes, you leave 20 minutes late. You wake up late, you're in the car, you have to be somewhere. It's a long drive. You get in the car and like your gas tank is like almost empty. And you think like, oh, okay, like, well, I'm already late, so I can't stop and get gas because then I'll be more late. But you don't have enough gas to make the trip. So it's actually going to take you yeah. longer if you run out of gas but most people that's how they're thinking about it and it's just backwards and it's like wait because we always tell ourselves it's like okay no when i get to x point you know then i'll be able to do it and that point never comes because we all keep pushing you keep pushing the target back like you don't even hit the target and there's already a new target 
Um, totally. So I think that's great how how you bake it in. Like I want to. Um, I know we're starting to run out of time here, but I want to kind of. Uh, I mean, rewind a little bit, like back to, because uh, I think it all plays into this. Like, because I think this is really great. Like, it comes back to like the culture that you're building. And I think that's really like next level for so many businesses who you know might be in the face slightly before you, or you know they might even be like past you. Like. I don't even know numbers wise, but right. The culture just isn't there. And like reverse engineering that, like one thing you said, and I know like so many, so many of the listeners of this podcast, they come from backgrounds like you. It's like, you know, maybe some entrepreneurship background, but really it's not like, okay, you know, I worked in online retail and now I'm starting this brand and I know exactly how everything works. It's like, no, it's like you're learning how to be a boss for the first time. You're learning how to run meetings for the first time. Like speaking of like creativity Inc and the stuff you do there, you said like, okay, we make sure people are heard and, and stuff like that. Like what's your actual tactical like meeting cadence look like internally? I mean, you have 20 people, you have different departments. What does, like, how does that all fit in into like a tactical month, week, quarter, year or yeah. Um, yeah like what does that look like? Cause I feel like nobody talks about this and it's like, Oh, you just kind of guess or like <laughs> you figure it out. So what does your meeting structure look like at threat? Yeah, that's a really great question. My husband, who is our CEO, set the goal this year to become more organized. And we personally feel that our whole team is more organized when there's more accountability and um, more checkpoints for that accountability. So we have a pretty like um, consistent meeting schedule. And it, when I talk about it, it sounds like there are a lot of meetings, but a lot of them are quick, short, little touch points. So keep that in mind as I go through this. So as an executive team, we meet once a week, every Monday, just to go over our to-do list for the week. So we have a Google Doc that we write everything out and everyone updates it the night before. And so we just meet and it's a quick meeting, but it's been really helpful because it helps us all know what we can do to help someone else on the team. Like, oh yes, like you have that, campaign launching this weekend. So I'll make sure that our warehouse knows that that's going on. It just is a really great place to have that touch point. The second set of meetings that we have that is really helpful is we have executive meetings biweekly. So there's two a month and one is a reporting meeting and then one is a strategy strategy meeting. So we meet as an executive team, we get lunch and we talk about what's been happening within each of our departments. So our CEO goes over stuff, COO goes over stuff, I go over stuff. And we talk about wins, we talk about losses, we talk about things that we could be doing better. And then two weeks later, we have a strategy meeting. So based off of the findings in our last reporting meeting, we talk strategy and like, okay, that worked really well. Now, How do we make this even better? What can we do to pivot, etc. So that's been really helpful. My husband, who is our CEO, he has one-on-ones with each executive every month. And that's also been really helpful for him personally to keep a good touch point on every executive and what's happening within their channel and within their teams, especially as we build things out. So a lot of this stuff will change as we get more people on board and teams start being built out more, but these things have really helped us so far. And then quarterly, we have executive brain trust meetings um, where we meet and we review Q1, or actually, excuse me, that is team-wide. We do a team-wide recap of the quarter and what's happened, big wins, what we could do better to improve. So that's been helpful. And then twice a year, so beginning of the year and mid-year, we have an executive brain trust where it's more of like a big strategy, big overall, like 
big picture meeting, make sure that we're on track with the goals that we set at the beginning of the year, et cetera. So those are all really helpful. And then I meet with my marketing team once a week to touch base about things that we've got going on, how I can help everybody. So I think that these meetings, again, there seems like there's a lot and I'm the type of person that likes to minimize meetings as much as possible. But because we have this culture of freedom and if you want to be on the mountain when there's snow, you be on the mountain, like, but you just need to get your work done. Like the expectation is that work is always done. Um, if your work's done, then feel free to spend your time how you need to. Um, but because of that kind of mindset that we've set within our team, these meetings help everyone remain accountable for their actions within their, their to-do list. So I hope that kind of gives a, an answer to that question, a little outlook of how we run things. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's so like, I've recently tried to ask more people like how they set that up. Cause like, I don't know, it's not really like, they don't really teach it. And there's not like, Hey, here's the guide on meetings and how many you ha- you need to have and what that looks like. Yeah. But like, if you look at any, especially when you're in a business where it's like, you can grow so fast. It's like, how do you keep all the wheels on? How do you keep everyone talking? It's like, it's meetings. And listen, we, we all pretty much hate meetings. I, I guess we're all kind of biased too. It's like, we have great companies. So we're like, yeah, our meetings are awesome. But like at the end of the yeah. day, it's like, we'd all rather not be in a meeting and we'd rather just handle it on Slack or in an email or something. But like, it's, it, it is powerful stuff when you get it right. And it's not like, okay, meeting overkill, but it's like, it doesn't have to be like, because a lot of people, you know, come from corporate where it's like the meetings are terrible. And it's just like, people say yeah. things just to say things and just to be heard. And it's like, you, you know, when you're setting the frame of that in your own company, it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. And it can be yeah. a very productive thing, um, which I think you're a great example of that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, well, to share yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Well, and we have a, we have a company-wide handbook that we've sent out. It's our brand book and we have rules for each, each meeting. And it's like, be concise, be on time, be respectful, like, and be candid. So there's that space for people to voice their opinions and be honest and open. But then there's also the rule of being respectful to other people's opinions and then also be concise. Like in any of our meetings, we have this rule where you can call dead horse. So if someone's going on and on and we're like nope we've already touched on this anyone can just say dead horse and then we just immediately move on like we're done we can't keep talking about that yeah so like the talking stick yes yeah it keeps the meetings moving so that we stay on task and stay on time no, that's great. Especially when you have like a bunch of idea people in a room. It's like, oh, we could do this, or we could do that, or we could do this. Like, I'm oh, they could be that. all day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's me. It's like I can make a five minute meeting last like one hour. Like people have to put the put the brakes on me. I get sent. Uh, my team started sending me. Uh, they send me reminders like as we're getting in the meeting. It's like fifteen minute warning, five minute warning, so that I, <laughs> so that I know that works oh, really well awesome. too. If you can get like an operations that is, like person a timer to send that. It's great. Yeah. Timer works. I'm bad at timer. I just ignore it. So I asked somebody, uh, I said, hey, it's your job to send me a reminder at each increment of the meeting. And it works really well. And they just send it privately to me, too, because I'm always the one that's like talking forever. But as I'm talking right now, but that's why I have a podcast to get it yeah. out of my system. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> no, it's it's been awesome having you on the show. It's It's super fun because I think it's like it's just a next level thing that you have to master as you get into the next phase like of your business. It's like you go from yourself to this team. It's like then you got to figure out how to like 
get the team to flow and, and you've built a great team and everybody's loyal and invested and just seems really connected and it's also really cool that you have a mini ramp in the office i mean that's just that's super awesome but it's a reflection of the company too and like the way things i, I just like it like people just thrive off autonomy too so like saying like hey yeah. you know here's the frame go play go do it just make sure it gets done it's like you'd be surprised totally. like you hire good people like they get it done and then it's like less stress on you to worry about okay are they doing this are they doing that it's like no like we Absolutely. have the meeting to check in and it's just it's so much easier because then you have a pulse and it's just like your numbers and like falling in love with your numbers. It's like you just fall in love with the facts and then you just you do with it. You build the frames and you just totally. run it. It's like it doesn't have totally. to be simple, not easy, but uh, it's simple. Um, well, and I think I just add really quick is that perks and free ski passes or the mini wrap in the back of the office, those things aren't going to mean anything preaching it outside of those things, right? Like like you said earlier, like it has to be a representation of who you are at your core. Like your culture at your company needs to represent the leadership at your at, of your company. And I think a lot of companies, they get big, big amounts of funding and they just start throwing perks out, like out the wazoo. Like it's just perks all over the place. But if the people don't feel like they're being validated and trusted and they don't feel like they have the autonomy and they don't feel like they actually mean something to the team and that the founders care about them, then those perks aren't going to mean anything to them. And so I think it's just important to, as you're building your company and you get funding or you have a really good year, it can be really enticing or tempting to like just start throwing money at all these perks or incentives. But those things, again, aren't going to mean anything unless the company at its core is good and cares about its employees and wants the best for their people mentally and physically and emotionally. Right. And I love how you said like it all comes from the top because it's so true. Like you can't like everything is a reflection of yourself as a leader in your business. And like if, if something's not working, it's like the first thing you ask yourself, not is this person broken, but like have I set the frame on things? Do they know what I'm expecting of them? And are we are we set up to be that way? Because otherwise it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's the same like putting, I mean, if you add, add too many parks to a culture that doesn't make any sense or doesn't empower people, it's just like, great. Like it's only, fu it's only fun for so long. Like at the end of the day, people, you know, you spend a lot of time at work. It's like, let's, let's make it great for everyone. Um, exactly. So that's awesome. I, I love your perspective. Uh, we're running out of time here. So Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, Mackenzie. And uh, where can we go to to learn more about you and, and Thread Wallets? Yeah, you can find us on our website, which is just threadwallets.com. A lot of people think it's Fred Wallace, which is hilarious, but it's actually Thread Wallets. And our Instagram, yes, TH. And our Instagram is at Thread Wallets or thread underscore wallace and then you can find me on linkedin just mckenzie bauer and i love to connect with people so shoot me a message i'm always happy to connect yes and mckenzie posts the best content on linkedin like i think it was a couple oh, weeks ago you, you posted your uh, your meeting cadence and that's kind of why i wanted to ask because like i was like when you posted that i was like oh wow nobody talks about this and like the behind the scenes of the company and it's like no none of that like you know, hypey entrepreneur stuff. Like it's real, it's actionable and it's good. And it's just, uh, it's good stuff. Make sure you cool. connect with her on LinkedIn. I'll link up everything down Thank in the show that, below. That means a lot to me. Yeah. And if, if you're in the market for a wallet, you got to get a thread wallet. It's super convenient. I mean, your keys attached to it. It looks great. I mean, I've gotten so many compliments on it. Everyone's like, what is that? It's 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 huh. awesome. So I love good. hearing that. Well, thank you so much, Don. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you, Mackenzie, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. 
you're not generating enough email revenue, and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or, or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak Method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge. And it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures uh, to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible and we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 